Welcome back to another week here on MWO Sports. Ryan Drury, I'll be joined by Clarkie. Lots to talk about this week. I have a sit down with the returning head coach of the Listowel Cyclones, Jason Brooks, on his return and being excited for another GOJHL run with the Cyclones. We'll chat with Steve Coolius from Sirius XM NHL about the now established Stanley Cup final between the Dallas Stars and Tampa Bay Lightning. And of course, we will have a visit with our resident wagering expert, Chris Abbott from CoolBet.co to talk about some of the hot lines going into NFL week two and of course that aforementioned Stanley Cup final and much more with myself and Clarkie here on MWO Sports brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to MWO Sports, brought to you, as always, by CoolBet.co here on CKNX AM 920 and CKNX.ca. Ryan Drury, that is Clarky, and I had a chance, Clarky, to sit down with the now-returning head coach of the Listful Cyclones, Jason Brooks. He's excited to get back behind the bench, and here's uh, my interview that I got to do with Brooksy the other day, talking about how excited he is to get back behind the bench in Junior B. Very pleased to be joined on MWO Sports by the returning coach of the Listowel Cyclones, Jason Brooks. Brooksy, I mean, massive news dropping the other day. You're coming back behind the bench. Uh, I guess, first of all, congratulations and welcome back. Well, thank you. Um, it's exciting to be back. And I mean, for you to say it's exciting news and a big deal, I guess, is an honor. Um, it's a weird time of... Uh, everybody's lives i guess with this whole covid and um not knowing what's going on and you know we're talking with jesse about coming back the potential of coming back it just seemed to work out that uh my wife jessica and i talked about it and we're able to come to kind of a i guess an agreement about uh, going back to coach um and it was her idea so uh very excited to be back and get a chance to, to go behind the bench and work with uh, a great organization and, uh, you know, get back to maybe doing what I love to do. Well, I certainly agree. And, and that's why I say it is exciting news because I mean, you helped kind of turn the organization around when you took it over all those years ago. And that five year stretch was the best stretch that the franchise has ever had. And you're walking back into a team that, is very similar age-wise to the team that you initially took over. You took over a very young group and took a lot of that core and turned them into champions. Um, you know, obviously that's got to be an exciting part of the challenge for you. Well, it's exciting for sure um, to look at the kids that are coming in. And a lot of these guys, Ryan, are guys that I've coached in the past, whether it was coaching them in Adam hockey, um, with them uh, and or doing lessons since then with them coaching them in spring hockey um those are for the very young young ones that have uh come into the organization this year and you're right there is a lot of similarities to um when when i first got involved with the with the organization um i like the fact that there's uh, a local content to it i like the fact that there's just players on it that um, the fans can get behind and get excited about no different than it was when we first started, whatever it is now, six, six years ago, seven years ago. Right. So, um, 
you know, to say we're going to win a championship, you know, I'll never say that. I mean, the goal is to make these guys better and help them get better and to help Jesse and his coaching staff get better. And um, if I can do that, then, you know, that's fantastic. That's what this was all about. Brooksy, I mean, let's talk about your motivations to come back. Now, uh, we all know how much you care about this team. We know how much you care about the game. We've had a, a lot of great conversations over the years when you were behind the bench. And, you know, we often talked about it, you know, Steve and I and Scott, when we would bump into you at games over the last season after you had, you know, left being behind the bench, we could tell and would ov- on, you know, have lots of conversations amongst ourselves that like you just looked like you were itching like you missed it too much I mean talk about the motivation of you know wanting to come back because you've always been a guy that wants to have his fingerprints on everything coaching wise and it must have been very hard for you to sit there and not watch you're still involved with the team but not be in that role well truthfully it was hard to watch i mean not at what was being done and the job that jesse and his staff did or what the players did um i i i give them full credit for what they accomplished and what they did as a a team last year but you're right it, it was hard it was hard to sit on the other side sit in the stands and watch and and um maybe not have a direct voice into things um you're right. I love the coach. I I love helping players get better. Um, And I love the organization. The organization has been very, very good to me. And um, so the motivation to get back, obviously timing worked out. Um, As I mentioned at the beginning with COVID and everything else, you know, time um, availability for me to get back involved and to, you know, get behind the bench with the guys and, you know, to do, as I said, do what I love to do. And that is coach. Yeah. And we can definitely tell, uh, I mean, you're extremely passionate about it. And I mean, like I said, the team under your leadership, uh, has a pretty darn good record. I, I wrote a story about it the other day and, uh, I don't know if you know what your coaching record is, but it's pretty darn impressive. 170 wins, only 66 losses. I believe four OT losses, one tie, if my memory serves. Uh, that's pretty okay. Um, now, over that stretch, you know, you, you, pre- you had a pretty consistent coaching staff. Obviously, stepping back in this coming season, you're going to have a lot of familiarity there. Uh, Jesse Cole, of course, will slide back into an associate role. And then you've got Brady Anderson and a new addition. Cody McNaughton's going to join the bench, a guy you're familiar with from your Guelph Storm days. Walk us through your coaching staff and what each of those guys is going to bring to the mix on the bench. Well, obviously, Jesse is Jesse. I mean, I don't want to say we're like peanut butter and jam, but, um, (laughs) you know, coaching together, we just work well together. And I think the beauty of Jesse is no matter what role you ask him to do, he's going to do it with his whole heart and, and be extremely passionate about it. I'm hoping, you know, with me coming back in this position with him is it's going to help him alleviate some of the stress doing both jobs, both GM and coach. Um, especially with such a young coaching staff, you know, with Brady and with Cody, you know, obviously Brady going through last year, what he went through with the team and, and kind of getting his feet wet as a coach and getting on the bench. And um, I guess sensing what a bench is like being on the other side of the bench and not as a player was probably a huge uh, 
huge benefit for him. Um, and to be around him again, his, he is so passionate. And as I said, he's an extremely intelligent player or was an extremely intelligent player. And you can see it as a coach, you know, when I was in the room last year talking with them, you could, you could see he gets it, you know, and I think the more he matures, the more he seasons himself as a coach and the experience he gets, he's just going to be excellent. And I can see him one day being a head coach of the little cyclones. Um, he's got that kind of potential. Um, Cody McDonald, as you said, I, I was very fortunate of Coach Cody in Guelph, um, a very young man. He, too, has a ton of passion for the game and wants to, you know, make coaching a part of his life, to take it to the next level, to maybe coach, you know, higher level than Junior B, go coach maybe Major Junior as an assistant or head coach one day. Um, and so when you've got that kind of passion and that kind of fire as a young man, obviously it's going to help you you know, learn, help to keep your ears open, your eyes open to, to see how we do things. And again, being on the other side of it, you know, it's one thing to stop playing. It's another thing to get on behind a bench. But then if it's just been a minor hockey bench, coaching junior is a lot different. Um, dealing with the player is a lot different. And, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully, you know, he picks up on that, which I know he will, because again, extremely smart when it comes to the game. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's a great staff. I'm excited about the staff. It's, it's. I, I guess I look at our staff now as kind of how I looked at our staff back when we started to some degree in the sense you had a salty dog of Jeff Bloomberg. You know, you had a young guy like Jesse and, you know, you had me who's just a grumpy person who, you know, had some experience coaching um, to, to come together and work together and then add Normie, obviously, after Jeff left, you know, you, you just you just kind of go with the flow and then everybody will kind of fall into the roles and everybody will kind of fall into what needs to be done and I think that's what this group will, will do to be successful I agree and uh, no come on Brooksy you grumpy no way um, now I know that another facet of of being a coach I know you love it so much I'm excited for you to be back final one for me here obviously part of that is seeing your players go on to do other things and be successful because as a coach in junior you're only going to have players for a max of four maybe five seasons and I mean if they're really good they move on to other levels right it's got to be pretty satisfying for you to see some of your former players doing the things they're doing now I mean you look at guys like Max Coyle and Jake Lee they go to junior A and shred that up they're going to the NCAA Caleb Warren is still playing in the OUA guys like Ben Van Utigum now you've got guys like Holden Lansink, uh, the all-time top scorer for the Cyclones. He's stepping into an assistant GM role with the Mitchell Hawks. Guys like Brock Beyer are running their own hockey school. I mean, it's got to give you a tremendous sense of pride to see what some of these guys you've coached, you know, going on to do great things still within the game. I agree, Ryan. And, and I'll be honest with you. I don't think it matters if they're involved in hockey. I mean, it's great to see them have success in the game and have success at their other entities that they're doing. Um, but, but it could be a guy that's not playing anymore. That's gone on to university. That's, that's, you know, achieving success that way. Um, a guy like Holden, who's moved on to the business world and, and is having success, you know, in life and, and doing what he's doing. I mean, the relationships you build at this level is um, it's what makes it special. It's what makes it fun. And, and 
you know, for example, Luke Israel, who came and played with us um, in my last season, the, the Cherry Cup loss to Waterloo year, you know, we traded for Luke that year and he comes in and, you know, we, we end up having a very good relationship. Well, Luke's going to be coaching minor hockey with me. He's coaching with me, uh, with my son's team and with my daughter's team. Like, that's what's special about coaching junior hockey that's what's special about all of these young men uh, is building the relationship with them and watching them grow and evolve and you know again whether it's a blake nickel and you know working to be a police officer and, and being hired down at the university of waterloo as a cop i mean like those are special things and, and you pull for them and you hope they have success of whatever they do and i'm grateful that they still keep me a part of their lives Absolutely. And I know it, the feelings mutual. I had a number of uh, players texting me the day that I found out you were coming back uh, asking, is it true? Is it true? That's great. Um, I know people are excited. We're excited. We obviously have a great relationship with you, Brooksy. We're excited for you. Um, congratulations again. And uh, finally, Clarky will kill me if I don't ask you about the Leafs. What, what do they need to do in the offseason here? We know you're a huge Leaf fan. What would you like to see them do? Well, I, I look at the success the Islanders have had, and look at Columbus and what they did. They got to get a better blue line. They got to you got to go out and find pieces. Like I love the skill they have, but you have to find a mix of skill and and playing hockey and doing the little things. And you, you listen to Hockey Night in Canada. I thought Kevin Bieksa said it best. He says you got to live to see another day. Sometimes you got to chip a puck out instead of trying to swing back with it and make the perfect pass. Um, they gotta they gotta find a way to get some defense um, to give them support on the back end and do the little things. You know, you read rumors about Frederick, Frederick Anderson being traded and what have you. I mean, and, until you shore up your back end, until you tighten up your play. I don't care if you have Carey Price in that. It's going to be awfully hard to win. Um, I think I think that's probably the biggest thing is just tightening up. And again, we joked about it when Mike Babcock got fired, what was going to happen with Sheldon Keith And Sheldon tried to get them to play defense, but also try to play his style and his system. And it, it turned out to be Tampa Bay 2.0 from last year, right? They had all that offense and all that firepower and found a way to lose to Columbus. Well, and Toronto found a way to lose to Columbus doing the same thing. And Columbus, look at Columbus. Columbus played simple hockey. They stuck with their plan. They played Tortorella hockey. Now, did they go beyond Tampa? No, but they still won. They still beat Toronto. And if Toronto played a defensive structure with the offense that they have, you have to think they would have won more than they lost and potentially move on to the next round and who knows what would have happened against Tampa Bay. But I mean, at the end of the day, that's how I see it. I am a big firm believer in defense. And unfortunately, if you're a Cyclone fan, you're going to see it again <laughs> in, in big ways. So, well, I'm sure the fans are excited. I think Leafs Nation definitely agrees with that sentiment. And you're right. Uh, you definitely are a defense first coach. And uh, I think the Cyclones fans are going to welcome that. So, uh, again, Brooksy, we appreciate you doing this. Uh, I'm so excited to see you back at the rink. And, again, congrats from all of us. And we're looking forward to it, man. Thank you. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate it. Thanks to our friend Jason Brooks, the new or old head coach of the Listowel Cyclones, for joining us here. We'll take a quick break and come back with more sports talk here on MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.ca. This is MWO Sports. <laughs> Thank you.
Welcome back to MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. Thanks to our buddy Jason Brooks. Brooksy back behind the bench, Clarky. Pretty exciting stuff. Uh, the greatest coach in Cyclones history. He took a year off, a short sabbatical, and there he is. He's he's itching to coach again. For sure, and thanks for that uh, question about the Leafs. I always like his opinion about the Leafs, so that was nice to throw that in there. I'm always, always thinking of you, man. I know you are. I know so, you are. So, uh, no, and he, he's a great guy to, you know, pick his brain. He's coached at so many uh, great levels. And, uh, you Let's know, just for, hope they can they can play and he can coach. I, I really hope so, too. And he's uh, he's always been gracious with us on the, on this show and uh, at CKNX in general. We appreciate Brooksy joining us here on the show. Uh, there's lots to talk about in sports clarky man uh the jays like they were chugging along and then they ran into a bit of a buzzsaw in the yankees um of course <laughs> we're following a jays doubleheader tonight here but man oh man that those first two games certainly against the yankees were really messy well they gave up 20 the first night and then you think well it can't get any worse well it didn't get worse but uh 13 the next night is not very much better uh and boy oh boy were the balls flying out of yankee stadium like there's a lot of power Aaron judge returned to the lineup um you know a lot i was gonna say lots of souvenirs but uh maybe someone got the balls but um yeah it was a display the yankees really uh turned into the bronx bombers which they're known for um and uh the jays did not have an answer whatsoever. And then the next night, Merriweather gives up two in the first inning. So that didn't start well either. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, we all knew that these were going to be pivotal games. And, you know, last week when we were talking with our buddy Dan Shulman, uh, you know, that was one thing that he stated that uh, they've got to take probably half of these 10 games against the Yankees. And they're not off to a great start in that regard. They got to play them a bunch more times. I think four more times as we record this, I mean, my goodness, if they can't win three of those, um, the second place in the AL East is probably gone. And you're right. The pitching really fell apart. Um, I well, they got to just hold on now to the, to the wild card spot, right? That's what they got to hope for now. I think. That's essentially all they're playing for at this point. Yeah, I mean, maybe finish eighth and end up taking on potentially my Oakland A's or 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 the White Sox, which both would not be ideal matchups for the Blue Jays, but you never know. Speaking of uh, who people will be taking on, uh, the Major League Baseball postseason setup is set. Uh, Major League Baseball announcing on, I believe, Tuesday of this week how it will work. So uh, I have it here in front of me. Basically, what they're going to be doing is they will play the wild card series uh in the nl in arlington and houston texas so the nl the wild card nlds and cs will be played split between arlington and houston and then over in the al the wild card alds and cs will be played in la and san diego the world series will be hosted in arlington and so they go to a bubble format for the playoffs what are your thoughts on that clarky i mean it's uh probably well, what they should have been doing the whole time <laughs> well probably they should have now first hey you know what though like they have for the most part since i guess you know 20 games in avoided it and i guess the players are uh, uh are doing their part but explain to me how they can reward the houston astros and i don't care if if you don't think it's a reward or not it's absolutely a reward when you talk about hosting a bubble series how can the houston astros 
host something. They shouldn't even be playing this year. Their their players, they should have had a year suspension. Like they did one of the most egregious things in baseball history. And like, really, they didn't really pay for it much at all on field. They lost their manager, sure, but no, no players got suspended. And now you're giving them a bubble series. I don't get it. I really don't get it. I don't. And you tell me all you want about, well, it's in Texas and there's got to be other places. Well, yeah, I mean, and I agree with that sentiment, Clarky, and I think a lot of baseball fans probably feel the same way. Uh, Really, I guess what you're going to have to do is get on that Mariners bandwagon and hope that they can potentially, because they could, catch them and pass them for that second spot in the AL West. Um, They're not going to catch Oakland, even without Matt Chapman, which is unfortunate, but um, they're not catching Oakland. So you basically got to cross your fingers because the angels certainly aren't going to do it. What an embarrassment that franchise is. I can't believe that uh, baseball fans are subjected to no Mike Trout in the playoffs almost entirely his whole career. It's such a joke. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah. I can't think of a standalone baseball uh, sports star that is more punished uh, than than Mike Trout by the failures of his franchise. Um, but again, like you said, I, I think that this is probably the smart setup, um, Houston aside, um, for the playoffs. And uh, I'm excited. And, and I actually really hope that they keep this expanded playoff format. I personally like it. Um, they'll make way more money. And we all know that that's what this comes down to the amount of money. And I think that baseball with the ratings, they're already seeing the ratings that they will see in the playoffs. Um, I, I think that, you know, when they look forward to potentially next year or who knows what the world looks like in a year or two, when they see the potential money pull from this expanded playoffs and they picture it with fans in the seats, I think it's probably likely that a lot of owners are going to vote to keep this expanded playoff format. Uh, One last baseball note, man, these wildfires that West on the coast, California, all the way up through Oregon, up into Seattle. It's terrible. What's going on out there. Ontario just sent a bunch of firefighters out there to help. That's how bad it is. Um, And the other night, the Seattle Mariners hosting my Oakland Athletics, and they played in probably the worst air quality uh, in MLB history. Um, The air quality index was like 227 uh, particles per, you know, whatever it is. I'm not a scientist. Uh, That's extremely, you know, unsafe. Um, The the pitchers, all the players were complaining that they were having trouble breathing. Mm -hmm. Um, Oakland had a couple guys actually that have heart conditions that that couldn't take you know, part in it and they let them play a double header in it. And then uh, major league baseball learning their lesson the next game. And they moved the giants Mariner series down to the Bay um, where the air quality is not as bad. I-, I don't know if you saw any of the highlights correctly. I mean, it looked like they were playing in Armageddon. Yeah. It's, it's awful. No question about it. Um, and like, you know how bad it is that smoke actually made its way to Midwestern Ontario this week. Uh, <laughs> we had some hazy skies and it was, it was the jet stream picking up that smoke in California and Oregon and bringing it all the way here to Midwestern Ontario. So that, that's just how, how it can affect 
Like, can you just imagine how bad it is there if it's affecting our air here? Uh, pretty crazy stuff. Uh, definitely thinking about everybody out there affected by those fires. It's just yeah. absolutely wild. Um, moving over into the hockey world, obviously a big announcement coming on Thursday of this week from the IIHF uh, concerning the World Juniors. All of the under-20 tournaments, including the Women's World Championship, Men's World Championship, all of it is canceled except the World Juniors this year. They were they are going to utilize the bubble in Edmonton and play it with no fans this year. Next year, the plan is to have it in Edmonton and Red Deer, which was the plan all along. And they, they are planning to have fans, hopefully. And, and then um, the year after that, they uh, have shifted what was going to be hosted in Gothenburg, Sweden to 2024. So I don't know what 2023 will look like, but uh Pretty big announcement from the IIHF. They're planning on having the World Juniors this year in a bubble. <laughs> Hopefully it works out. I, I mean, Well, here's the deal. They usually play in a bubble. The only difference is going to be that the, the players will have to stay in a bubble when they're not playing because this tournament is you know, uh, traditionally hosted by one town. Um, now, sometimes you know, when it's in Europe, they will move to different rinks. But yeah, it's, it's so in, in that sense, I don't think it's going to be different. I'm just happy they're going to try to play because there's not going to be any NHL now, we know, until at least January. So that will give us some, hopefully, uh, um, some hockey uh, between... I guess the end of the regular season and, and when the NHL starts up, even though it's probably not, well, what have they announced the date? Usually starts boxing day. Um, so I'm just happy they're giving it a shot. They're going to play. Cause you know what, like, you know, as well as I do, the world junior tournament's usually awesome. And this year it's going to be very interesting because if the, if the junior leagues can't play, now, like, how do you know who to invite? So it's going to be really intriguing watching the the selection process of who, what players go. Even if they do start, the earliest they're going to start is the beginning of December. So they're not going to have a lot of time to look at these players here in Canada for sure um, to, to be able to select a team. So they have to rely on a lot of what they saw last year. Um, and you know as well as I do, th- a lot can change in one year, especially if you're not playing. So it'll be interesting to see not only the process, but hopefully the game. Yeah, I agree, Clarky. And certainly from Canada and the United States perspective, I think it's basically a 0% chance we see any 17-year-olds on on the teams. They're, they're going to be going with yeah. guys that they got to see last year and, you know, fingers crossed with cases spiking yeah. in some regions in, in this country. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that they're able to host the tournament and, and be able to have a junior hockey season start so they can maybe have at least three weeks or so where they can watch some guys and make some decisions i'm sure that you could probably i could probably right now if i felt like it pencil in half the canadian roster yeah but you know it's important to fill out those you know bottom six roles and and and, and the selection surprise you and a selection camp is a lot different than watching competition in their leagues it's Absolutely. a lot different. So, I mean, yeah, they'll have they'll have tough competition in the selection camp, no question. They'll have games uh, yeah. amongst themselves, but it's just not the same. So, we'll see. It'll be interesting for now sure. Now I want to bring up the next topic. Your Washington Capitals have hired Peter Laviolette. What are your thoughts on your new coach? 
Uh, I'm pretty excited about it, to be honest. Um, I was a, a big proponent of potentially Gerard Gallant uh, or Laviolette. Obviously, Mike Babcock's name was getting thrown around. <laughs> I, I would have loved an, to see your reaction if Babs got that job. I wouldn't have been very happy about it. And I, I read an article today out of Washington actually saying that the noise surrounding his name made him an early exit in the process. Yeah. Uh, Peter Laviolette, uh, they are now, uh, he is now going to be, I believe, the sixth highest paid coach in the league just north of four million dollars a season over a four-year deal i'm very happy about it one because he's exactly the type of coach we need an experienced guy we um he's won a stanley cup he's been to three cup finals one very recently he gets the most out of veteran players and he's going to push guys and really hold guys accountable he is going to get in people's faces and push buttons um i'm very excited about it so i'm hoping that he has success because uh we're actually recording this on alex ovechkin's birthday he's 35 now and uh the window is closing i'd like to see them get one more and i think laviolette is the type of guy that can do it really quick as well uh jack adams award recently announced bruce cassidy now i'm not going to slam bruce cassidy he's done a great job since coming back to the nhl he wins it i'm sorry though i i just john tortorella should have won this award and there were 20 journalists who voted on this that didn't even have him on their ballot and i'm i'm assuming it's probably because of the way he interacts with the media that's not your job as a voter that's such a joke uh i don't care that torts is mean to you sometimes the spirit of the vote is best coach this guy lost three huge star players and got that team into the playoffs it's a a joke that john tortorella didn't win his third back adams i i I think you hit the nail on the head. It, it was his reputation with the media that screwed him here. I don't think there's any doubt about it. And it's ha- it happens in baseball with the Hall of Fame voting. Oh, um, and it's happened now in hockey. There's no question in my mind if 20 guys left him off their ballot altogether that there's they were some sort of like, I'm not voting for this guy. This guy's a jerk. He doesn't talk to the media. That uh, So... He should have won it in my mind. I mean, we can't. We had our predictions there a few months ago, uh, well, probably a lot of months ago, about who was going to win this award. And I think all three of us, um, and Steve will be back next week, folks. Um, but uh, all three of us thought that John Tortorella was, I wouldn't say a slam dunk, but definitely a favorite to win it. And for him not to show up in 20 ballots, I think there was definitely some voters who just said, yep, nope. I can see, think Brooksy didn't vote for him. Well, Brooksy, I wouldn't vote for Brooks <laughs> Larry either. Brooks, I, that is Larry yeah, Brooks. Larry Brooks, not our friend Jason Brooks no. of the Cyclones, obviously. No. But no, it's a joke. Yeah. I bet you if you asked yeah. Brooksy uh, uh, that he would probably say Torts deserved it too. Now, again, I'm not disparaging Bruce Cassidy. He had a very good season, yeah. but uh, I, I don't yeah. know. I just thought and, Torts should win. And uh, these writers that do this and hold yeah. grudges, that's then you shouldn't have a vote. I think that's such yeah. a joke. And in baseball, it's the worst. That's a story for another day. Uh, one, one really more, quick. One more note, if I can mention. Uh, the sure. Maple Leafs on Thursday ma- uh, named Manny Malhotra as their assistant coach. So a little yes. a little surprising because a lot of, as me included, thought that maybe Bruce Brujo would be uh, the assistant coach for the Maple Leafs. But uh, it was Manny Malhotra. So he was in Vancouver. They gave him permission, and uh, the, Leafs, the Leafs hired him. So that's a... 
everyone is saying it's a good hire. We'll find out. Um, I'm really sad, though, that Bruce Boudreau wasn't involved, but he wants to be a head coach. And I guess the Leafs just didn't want to lose their assistant coach at any time throughout the year because you know as well as I do, as soon as one guy gets fired, Bruce Boudreau's name will be coming up in conversation, and it could be a distraction. So, But anyway, Manny Malhotra is in the new assistant coach with the Leafs under uh, Shelton Keefe. Yeah, and I think he'll do a great job, you know, based on everything I've read out of Vancouver. He's a great communicator, works well with young players. So that's obviously a positive. And uh, he's of Indian descent as well. So maybe he can get some some more people, uh, you know, culturally involved with the game. Uh, You know, the NHL really trying to push that hockey's for everybody. Still lots of work to do. I think Manny Malhotra in the biggest hockey market. Mm -hmm. I think I think that might do a lot of positive things really quick as well. Nick Nurse, multi-year extension. We still don't know the exact details, but uh, we are assuming that he's very well paid. (laughs) The uh, Raptors re-signing him. And uh, I think that's awesome. Nick Nurse has just done such a great job. Now they got to get Masai locked down one year left on his deal. And our buddy Chris Abbott picked it last week. You know, yes. it was uh, game seven and uh, the Raptors couldn't make it past the uh, Celtics. And uh, But then Kawhi lost to the Denver Nuggets, which Eric Smith did not think was going to happen either. Um, and word. like that, yeah. this, that game six, I think it was, I, I honestly turned it off. They were losing. Denver was losing by 16 late, like halfway through the third quarter. And I turned it off. And I was shocked to find out that they had another 15-plus point comeback. It's unbelievable. And uh, the Canadian... Um, Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray. Uh, native. Clutch three-pointer in that game. So anyway, and what, he had 40 points or something in Game 7? Yeah, I mean, the Clippers were a joke in Game 7. I'm sure Steve Ballmer is really upset. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mind you, he's still (laughs) lining his pockets, but uh, it's not that cool anymore, is it, Steve? Um, Yeah, pretty shocking stuff. But hey, like you mentioned, our our friend Chris Abbott, that's why you listen to this show. That's why you listen to our advice from uh, our buddy at CoolBet.co when it comes to sports wagering. And of course, he'll be coming up later in the show. So stick with us here. We'll take another quick break you're listening to and watching mwo sports brought to you by coolbet.co this is mwo sports welcome back to mwo sports ryan jury still here with clarky and we're joined now by one of our favorite guests sirius xm nhl steve cooley is cooley we know what the Stanley Cup final is now. Anthony Sorelli plays hero in game six, and they will now take on the Dallas Stars. What did you think of that series? I mean, it wasn't exactly the most enthralling hockey we've ever seen. Before I signed off, I said, I don't want to sound like Don Cherry. Remember him? He used to be a big star at Hockey Night in Canada. Um, but I said, Anthony Sorelli scores. So I was this close to tweeting it out in the overtime, but my basement's not very good for modern data. So I did not do it. But when he scored, I felt great about it because he was due, like my overdue library book, uh, Best Nest, that I still haven't returned. So anyway, God wanted Tampa to win, finally. God said to the Islanders, thanks very much. It was a nice run, but you're not good enough. And if they would have won this game, Groundhog Day Bill Murray after the last time, we would have lost our eight. So the right team won. Congratulations, Islanders. You guys are good. Pat you on the head. Tampa moves on. Thank God. Yeah, and are they that good? I I get it. But, like, they hardly got many shots on net. They play a boring style of hockey. We do not want to watch them in the final. That's not what hockey is about. We want to see 
high scoring. At least I do. I don't like the the style they play. I don't like anything about the Islanders. I really don't, Cooley. I guess you can figure that out. Yeah, no, there's probably more to like than there is to not like. I say this much. Well, if they play that style, put the put the spike through the vampire's chest. So go do it. And guess what? Washington couldn't do it. The Flyers couldn't do it. Now, the kryptonite for the Islanders is Boston. Boston would have done it. Oh, yeah. Believe me. The Islanders are not better than Boston, who's out. They're not better than Colorado. So the, the good thing is they're in the final four, but they're not one of the best four teams in the league. So that's good. Mm-hmm. So they got to get better by guess what? Less construction boots, more skill. Other teams, like the Leafs, less skill, more construction boots. So the good thing is Tampa has learned their lesson. They're in the final. It's it's good for hockey. This is good yes. for hockey. And the right team won. Yes, I agree. Okay, so we got Dallas. And we got Tampa. What do you think we're going to see in the final? Well, normally, if all things were equal, I would say Tampa in six. But because Tampa's banged up and because Tampa probably does not want to start Saturday. And in a normal situation, if this was normal, it's Friday. The Stanley Cup final would have started Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday in a travel series. Mm -hmm. But there's no travel. So because of that. The good news is we're going seven. We're going seven. Tampa okay. will still win in seven because one Russian goalie who's 10 years younger will beat we're not going home goalie <laughs> in Anton Hudobin. So this will be great. It'll be memorable. Tampa and Dallas will be an epic. And Dallas is not the Islanders. So we're going to have a great series, but Tampa will win. Yeah, Cooley, it's it's a weird matchup, right? Because, you know, you've got Tampa over here doing this without their captain. Steven Stamkos hasn't touched the ice, and, and they're still in the final, which is incredible. Speaks to their depth and how well they're coached by John Cooper and co. And then you got Dallas on the other side with a guy like Rick Bonus, who's just such a likable character. Anton Hudobin has put this team on his back when it should have been Ben Bishop, who's hurt all the time. And Tyler Sagan has scored twice it's ridiculous that they're here, these two teams, doing it the way they are. Which adds to the storyline. And you know what I really love? Now, I don't watch the other sports like others do, but I'll tell you this much. Apparently, it is a Dow Jones disaster for the other three sports. NFL's return to play, not good. NBA, not good. Baseball, they don't even think they, they finish. For us, we're in a better position on both sides of the border And where we are here, the hockey numbers, Chris, and the other sports, it's been a kicking. I'll say it again to bleep it out. Kicking. I'm looking at my trending tonight. The NHL game of Islanders Tampa is number one because we love it. And the good thing is, as not sexy as, as the Islanders are, people were still watching. So the good news is, on the Dallas side, they're there without the number one goalie. If you would have said Ben Bishop and Steve Stamkos are out, and Dallas and Tampa meet in the Stanley Cup final. Oh, oh, okay, I will, uh, I'll, ch- okay, I'll, I'm ch- I'll change it. 
No, but that's what's happened. As you just alluded to, which makes it a sexy matchup, a fun matchup, this series will not disappoint. And the good thing is, I believe this. I believe Hudobin is playing better than Bishop has ever played in his life. Mm. And if it was Bishop, Dallas wouldn't be here. Thank God for the fat Russian, the um, what's the Habs old goal? Gump Worsley. Thank God for Gump Worsley because they wouldn't be here right now. Yeah, it's incredible, eh? Like, Clarky, it's just wild that these two teams have got this far the way they have. Yeah, it just it just goes to prove how far my team has to come to uh, get to this point. But anyway, hey, Cooley, a couple of good feel-good stories in this series when when I look at sort of a Leaf perspective of it. But you got Rick Bonus, who everyone says is such a good guy. He's now has a chance to win as a head coach. And Luke Shen of the Tampa Bay Lightning could win a Stanley Cup. Luke was a great guy, treated me well when I worked for the Leafs, uh, and I'd like to see him win. Um, isn't it funny? He posed with his brother um, a year and two months ago and uh, when St. Louis won. And now Luke is part, you know, is at least 50-50 to win a Stanley Cup mm-hmm. um, because his brother is back home. His brother is allowed to come to the Edmonton bubble mm-hmm. and could pose with him winning a Stanley Cup. Isn't that a good story? So all the Canadian family members who don't have to travel – are allowed to go to Edmonton to watch the Stanley Cup final, which is very intriguing. I do feel sorry for my ninth cousin. Apparently, he's my ninth cousin, Steve Stamkos. If he does return, I hope he has a magic moment. I can't believe, in a way, they're going to win without him. And if they do, is he Drew Bledsoe? And Braden points Tom Brady? Would Steve then have to go? Like, would you want to be the guy? It's Chris Letang won already in Pittsburgh. And then he was hurt, and they won without him, and then he came back and he won the next year. I don't know if it's the same thing with Steve. That's an interesting storyline to win a cup without your first, a first overall pick superstar, which he was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that is a storyline of all storylines, which is unbelievable. And I give John Cooper credit to get his club this far. Yeah, I, I completely agree, Cooley, and uh, I'll echo what you said. I mean, I love Steve Stamkos. Uh, I've loved watching him play, and, man, he, he had that 60-goal season, and then he got hurt right before that Olympic year in 2014, and he has just had the most rotten injury luck of any player, uh, certainly of a superstar that I have maybe ever seen next to Sid. But Sid came back and won more. Steve hasn't had the opportunity to do that, and I feel really bad for him. Real quick, Cooley, before we let you go, um, <laughs> there it is, Luke Shen. He's showing his love. <laughs> he was, hey, I, I, he he was a guy that was highly touted when he got drafted, and and I felt bad the way things went for him in Toronto. I'd love to see him win a cup as well. Real quick, Cooley, uh, it, it's crunch time now. Two teams left. Who's going to win the Conn Smythe? Braden Point. I love Hedman. Yep, yep. But here's the thing. In this series, without Braden Point, they lost two games. And I know defensemen don't get the love and everything else. And and if it's close, I want Hedman to get it because I don't think defensive players get enough credit. But -hmm. at this moment, I do believe it's Braden Point. And he's elevated himself. I asked on our show this week, who's better, Braden Point and Jack Eichel? All the American guests said Jack Eichel. I said, Really? Mm. I said, I'm not so sure about that if you believe 200. Well, we'll see. Jack's got his chance. He'll be uh, playing a home game in Buffalo in front of 
12,000 Leaf fans someday. So we'll see how <laughs> we'll see, we'll see how he does. But right yeah. now, Peyton points elevated himself. Uh, I, I'm not sweating over Vasilevsky Point or uh, or um, uh, Hedman. All I know is this: the right two teams for what they've done since return to play are in Chris the final. You agree with me, right? Yep, I agree. Absolutely. I agree as well. Uh, if Dallas were to win, give me Haskinen. I think he's been unbelievable. And uh, I-, I will take Hedman. Uh, I believe he'd be the first defenseman to win since Duncan Keith in 2015. Clarky, real quick, Con Smythe, anybody Could you like? Open. I got to go with the goalie. He's playing well for for Dallas for sure. He's such a goalie hugger, eh, buddy? I, I know. And That's it, fine. I, I think I think Hedman. Yeah. It's it, not going to be loose, but... Well, no, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it'd be neat to see him win for sure. Uh, Sirius anyway. XM NHL host, Steve Coolius, make sure you follow him on Twitter. He's a great follow and we love having him on this show. Cooley. Thanks for doing this, buddy. Boys. Anytime. As long as the wife is already in bed. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Brother. Thanks for doing this. Thanks to our buddy, Steve Coolius from Sirius XM NHL. And now we are joined. Steve's got to pick our, up. Energy uh, a little, don't you think? Yeah, he needs a little bit more energy. Yeah, Steve Steve really lacks in the energy department. I don't know if you could tell. One person that definitely doesn't is our wagering expert from coolbet.co, and that is Chris Abbott. Chris, how are you, man? I'm doing good, fellas. No, Steve, Steve does not need any energy drinks or anything like that. He is always, always flying. Uh, I've even had some text exchanges with him, and like even his texts are high energy. It's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you could feel it just coming through the phone for sure. He's quite a character, absolutely. He's like Spinal Tap, always on 11. All right, Chris, uh, now we know what the Stanley Cup final is. We've got Dallas Stars. We've got Tampa Bay Lightning. What are the early lines, and what are what are you leaning toward? Yeah, so even before the series wrapped up, we had Tampa as a minus 130 Stanley Cup favorite, and that's before they'd even got past the Islanders. Uh, Dallas was like plus two-something, and the Islanders were like 11 to one. Uh, so we knew right away that Tampa was going to be a big favorite when the finals hit, and they are. So you're going to see them anywhere between like minus 165, minus 180, and you're going to see Dallas anywhere from plus 160 to plus 180. So honestly, some really good value on the Dallas Stars here. We, a lot of guys on Tampa are banged up. They've really been through it. They've played against some teams that really grind you out. Um, you know, Columbus, then the Islanders, like nobody wants to sign up for that. Uh, so Dallas, I, you know, I don't mind Dallas as an underdog here. I liked them last year. They just got knocked out by St. Louis. Uh, people don't seem to remember that. Anton hudobin has been completely unbeatable. So I like the Stars coming in here with a little bit of rest as an underdog. Chris, before we get to football, I got to ask you this. It, I probably didn't have a chance to do this, but if I had a said the over-under for the New York Yankees in a three-game series with the Blue Jays was 18 home runs, and they went over, I probably could have made a bunch of money, eh? You would have done really well. Like, that would have been said, so, you know, maybe you give them three home runs a game, maybe. <laughs> maybe. So, like, you'd set it at, like, eight and a half-ish. Yeah. So, for you, if you were to bet, like, over 17 and a half, you would have gotten... I'd say anywhere from 15 to 25 to one on your odds there. That's listen, boys, I picked before the year started the Jays to win less than 27 and a half games. I don't think that's going to happen because they've got 26 right now, 
But the reason I thought they were in tough was exactly what happened this week. Like the AL East and the NL East has some big, big boys to play against. And we're coming down the stretch. They've got a lot more Yankees. Baltimore, who's crushing the ball. Uh, so if they're going to get those over those 27 wins, they better sneak a couple off Philadelphia this week. 19 home runs in three games. That's a major league record. Unbelievable. It's pretty unreal. Uh, what else was unbelievable? Week one of the NFL, some great games. We're coming into week two. There's lots of enticing matchups to bet on. Chris, what are some that you're kind of highlighting here? Yeah, I, you know what? I was curious what we'd see in week one. I think we talked about it last week. We maybe bet some unders, but overs went everywhere. There was lots of offense. Teams look fine. And a lot of people already don't like the NFL preseason. We didn't have one this year, and we may not ever have one again. Um, but for games I like this week, so the Carolina Panthers opened as a nine-and-a-half-point underdog against Tampa Bay. That's actually been bet to eight points. I got in on that early at plus nine-and-a-half, so I'm really happy about that. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater looked fine. Christian McCaffrey is, is you know, arguably the best running back in the league. And uh, the Bucks didn't look very good. I had them against New Orleans last week. They looked old. They looked like they had a mid-40s quarterback. And uh, so I, I like the Panthers catching a lot of points in that game. As for other games that I like on the slate, there's a couple. Uh, KC, even though they're a huge favorite against the Chargers, minus 9.5, I think they cover that. Like, I don't mind that one little bit. And the Los Angeles Rams against the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't know why, but the, they're now an underdog. They were a 1.5-point favorite. Now they're plus 1.5 going to Philadelphia early game cross-country travel i don't think it matters man the rams look good on sunday night and the eagles were god awful so i i don't understand this line at all i i love the rams here absolutely you heard it here first hopefully you're writing that down get it on your ticket and make sure that you hammer our wagering expert chris abbott's bets our buddy from coolbet.co we appreciate listening to the show you can find us on apple podcast Castbox, spotify all the best podcast apps cknx.ca every friday night at six listen to us on cknx am 920 and you can also watch the show friday nights at eight sunday nights at nine with our friends on whiteman tv he is clarky i'm ryan drury for steve Julius, Jason Brooks, and our buddy Chris Abbott. We appreciate you listening to and watching MWO Sports brought to you by CoolBet.co.